Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. chapter number four. I trust that this morning's message will do what it's intended to do, and that's to be an encouragement to you. I've entitled this morning's message, Someone Needs Your Encouragement. How many of you like to be encouraged? Would you raise your hand? That is great. That's most of you. I'd, now, there are several of you didn't raise your hand. I'm not sure. I, I've yet to meet someone who says, I don't like encouragement. But several of you didn't raise your hands. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. We all like a word of encouragement. We all like to feel like we are valued. Um, uh, let me begin with a story that took place back in July of 2017. There was an amazing feat that took place. A Canadian sniper set the record for the world's longest confirmed kill shot He killed an ISIS militant as he was initiating an attack from some 3,540 meters. That's two miles away. He broke a 2009 world record by over a half mile. He used what's called a Macmillan TAC-50 sniper rifle that had only a range of 1,800 meters, but yet his shot was 3,540 meters. The bullet, they say, took 10 seconds to reach its target and traveled at a rate of 792 miles per hour. Gravity uh, is the first and most severe obstacle to a sniper's success because just as soon as the bullet leaves that gun, it begins to lose energy and gravity automatically pulls that bullet toward the ground. Normally, uh, according to what I understand about uh, those who are snipers, uh, uh, this is not a, a large number of inches that are involved here. But in this particular case, at this distance of 3,500 meters, the bullet drop is estimated to be 6,705 inches. The sniper had to focus on the target and eliminate all distractions such as wind speeds and terrain. And from that distance of some two miles away, even had to take into account the curvature of the earth and the atmospheric conditions of that, of that time. Incredible feat from two miles away to be able to kill this uh, enemy who um, uh, all of his life was about destroying others. There's a bumper sticker that um, you probably have seen on someone's car before. It says, God bless our troops, especially our snipers. Uh, I, I love this story. This is an incredible story. But many times, just like this Canadian sniper who had this unbelievable kill shot, we have a laser-like focus, like a sniper, on the mistakes of our teammates and parents and students and children or other church members. And we often ignore their successes that are immediately in front of us. Oh, don't miss that illustration. A sniper has to take into account every single bit of wind and gravity and humidity and all of the obstacles that are before him to kill that that enemy. 
And oftentimes we as believers and we as Christians, we have that exact same focus. Only it's on the mistakes of others rather than the successes of others. We tend to take our eyes off the target and we focus on the distractions. Oh, we have a text before us. We're going to tell a story this morning. I think that uh, it it will help us understand the point of this message. Um, uh, Let's stand together as we look at Acts chapter number 4. And we're going to read verses 31 through 37. And you will read the even verses. I will read the odd verses. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 through 37. Here's our story. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And with great Power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. I must compliment you. That's a hard verse with all the commas to read in unison, and you guys did a great job on that. Verse 37, our final verse, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Father, may I, through your word and under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit and with your help and the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you help me to be an encouragement to a group of people that have many different needs this morning And Father, may we leave here a people that go out to encourage others. Thank you for your word that instructs us on this very interesting topic. Lord, I pray that you'll bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I just just love this morning's message. The more I studied it, of course, this message was prepared last year in preparation for our 12 messages that we have ongoing with our new theme. And our new theme is two words. It is stay strong. We want to stay strong 65 years. And if you're visiting with us, what's the, the, the banner behind us? This is our 65th anniversary. Our theme this year is Stay Strong. We're going to preach 12 messages how we can stay strong. Last week we looked at message number one, and that is that someone is taking your picture. There's someone always watching you. We must stay strong in our testimony before the Lord. We can control our attitude. We can control our effort. And we must realize that other people are always watching us. We come to message number two this morning, and that is a message on encouragement. With each one of these 12 messages, like last week was Daniel, we're going to look at a Bible character that illustrates 
the message. Today we're going to look at a man by the name in Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. His name was Joseph. The apostles referred to him as Barnabas. He being son of encouragement. The Bible says he was a Levite. He was from Cyprus. Now it's amazing that Barnabas was such an encourager and that the apostles, uh, uh, the apostles actually changed his name. His name was Joseph. The apostles, because of his reputation, because of his demeanor, because of how he presented himself to other people, they changed his name to his most distinguishing characteristic, an encourager. I think that would be a daunting thought for us this morning. If someone were to look at you and know you, and they said, we're going to change your name to what we think you are, what would they change your name to be? Bitter. Always down. Complainer. Sunshine. Always smiling. I mean, when we take Becca Moon, what would we, what would we rename her? I mean, I just think Joy. She got the wrong name. She should be Rebecca Joy. She exudes joy. I mean, and this year she turns older. And, um, and, and yet she still faithfully serves and she loves. I mean, we just take her out. Do uh, We just take her uh, uh, of her, her characteristics and she just exudes joy. But what if I were to call your name? What would we be able to say? Faithful. Always here. Singer loves singing. They just, they love to sing. Or what would we say? Barnabas was such an encourager that they literally changed his name. Now there's two distinguishing characteristics about Barnabas I'd like to share with you this morning. Two things that we can learn about Barnabas. Here's the characteristic number one. Barnabas, he led by example. Barnabas, he led by example. In Acts chapter 5, it tells the familiar account of, of, of two people we've heard of before, Ananias and Sapphira. And you may know, the Bible says that they sold land. And they lied about the price. And God struck them dead in the church. Now, all of us, we've been to a lot of church services. We've taken offerings. And now today we just put uh, our offerings in offering drop boxes. And, and thank you for being faithful and doing that and doing that today. Uh, we thank you for that. Uh, but uh, can you imagine? Uh, let's, we're passing the offering plate. And uh, someone says, hey, I, I, sold, I sold a piece of land and I'm going to put the offering here. And we're, we all rejoice as they fall over dead. I believe that uh, we might remember that church service. Uh, this was an interesting church service. But directly prior to this event, in Acts chapter 4, we read uh, about Barnabas, who in Acts chapter 4 and verse 37, he also sold a piece of land. He brought the money. He laid it at the apostles' feet. And when Barnabas, uh, here's, we see here, when Barnabas put his mouth where his money was, it was a massive encouragement to the whole group of people that were there. Imagine, just think about that. Imagine the effect uh, when a senior in high school, he... He places an emphasis on that freshman in high school and, uh, and he places uh, his desires and sets them aside so that he can minister to a freshman in high school. We live in a society today where uh, we always focus on ourselves and we fail to look how we can be a help to someone else. 
There's a book that was written, Le uh, Leaders Eat Last. Uh, the author, his name was Simon Sinek, and uh, he, he said it well. Leaders eat last. And this, uh, this is an excellent book. If you want to be a, a good leader in your home, in our church, or your, your workplace, I highly recommend that book. It would really be a help to you. Leaders eat last. What was he saying? This means that the job of every leader in the home in the church, in the workplace, is to take actions that are necessary to assure the, the success of those that are around them in their home and in their ministry and in, the, in their workplace. Leaders eat last. Uh, they tend to think about other people's needs before they think of themselves. The stark reality is that in order for any team members to reach the pinnacle of their success or the ch go to the championship, Every team member has to reach the championship. What am I saying? Is that for our church to be successful, every person's got to be involved. Every person's got to be part of the team. And uh, we all have to take that responsibility seriously. Encouraging actions create a synergy that's needed to lovingly push other members to the top and help them get where they need to be. Well, we see here Barnabas he led by example. Uh, the, the, the bulk of our time, though, is going to be spent on characteristic number two. And I'd like to break this down for us in the time that we have remaining. The second characteristic of Barnabas is this, that he persuasively encouraged those around him. Barnabas, he persuasively encouraged those around him. Now, look with me, if you have your Bible still there in Acts, just Flip over a couple pages to Acts chapter 11 and look with me in verse number 23. The Bible says this, Who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad. And then he, the Bible says this, And exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. This morning when I say persuasively encouraged, what do you think Barnabas did? Let's try to understand this concept of encouragement and how you can be an encourager this morning. Well, I have to explain this. Encouragement is substantially different than flattery. Encouragement is substantially different than flattery. The word here in Acts chapter 11, exhort, means this, to persuasively encourage. Many people confuse encouragement with flattery. Allow me to explain the difference. Flattery is a disingenuous exaggeration of praise, while encouragement is a genuine recognition of another's individual qualities and achievements or actions. There's people that will use flattery because they want something. They'll say something and exaggerate uh, the details, but encouragement is trying to Hone in on someone's individual qualities and their achievements and their actions and to encourage them in that way. When I hear leaders say that this generation has to be accommodated with extra encouragement, I, I'm reminded of what uh, I learned growing up in West Virginia. My mom used to say, great manners have always been in style. Do you understand that? You are a little older. You understand that. Great manners have always been in style. Do you know what? We don't need to accommodate with some greater degree uh, the young people of today. We need to teach them. We need to encourage them. We need to treat everyone like a gentleman. We need to treat every lady like a lady. Not because they are, but because you are. 
Can I say that again? We need to treat every gentleman. We need to treat every lady like a gentleman and every lady like a lady, not because they are, but because you are. And as a believer, we need to demonstrate that. We need to model that to those around us. Can I use a mental imagery this morning? Imagine with me a circular firing squad. You're in the middle. Have you ever been part of a, a team? Have you ever been part of an organization? Have you ever in your workplace? Have you ever been part of something where it's so demeaning that you always feel like you're getting shot? You don't know the bullets are coming from all different sides. Um, it reminds me of a story that I read about perhaps the most famous NBA coach. Uh, certainly he was legendary. His name was Red Auerbach of the Boston Celtics. He was interviewed uh, one time, and he coached some of the greatest players that's ever played the game of basketball. But he was asked in particularly about Bill Russell. And he was asked, how do you handle a player such as Bill Russell? Here was his quote, you handle animals, you work with people. The fact of the matter is, is that we have to encourage others, understanding uh, that we have a wonderful opportunity to be a help and an encouragement to others. Maybe I could illustrate this way. How many of you have ever been to an ATM? An ATM at the bank, at a grocery store. Um, oftentimes now, if you go to a foreign country, it's easier to, to uh, withdraw money um, uh, at, at an ATM. An ATM has really changed the way we do banking for your immediate cash. Maybe I could use this illustration to help explain it. There's an ATM theory in family, in ministry, and in life in general. Our relationships, your relationships are like ATMs. If you only make withdrawals, you'll eventually find your account is empty. I'd like for us to take up this challenge this year, this year of 2023, that we would make perhaps three deposits, three actions of encouragement, three words of encouragement before we ever make one withdrawal. Words of correction or admonition. Let me illustrate. So this past week, we had um, a midweek service, and I, I'm, I'm doing the midweek service in January, and so um, the, the, uh, I, I was uh, in the midweek service, and so I'm trying to practice this ATM theory. This, I started this in the 1st of January, always trying to find something encouraging to say to someone uh, that expresses praise and appreciation before I ever say something that would be, a, that would be negative. So uh, the, the, on Wednesday I said, wow, uh, thank you for being here. It's great to see you. Uh, it is uh, wonderful to have you here every single week. Thank you for bringing your Bible. I, I'm just so thankful for that faithfulness. Would you turn off your phone? Try, I had to try to find three things before I could say, do you know that your phone has a silence button as it's ringing for the second week in a row in the midweek service and the person's staring at it like, I'm not sure it's ringing, but I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And everybody in the midweek service is looking at the person, looking at their phone as it was ringing. Three words of encouragement before I ever say something negative. Sometimes it's hard to do because we are so laser-focused Honestly, on the mistakes of other people. Husbands and wives, how true is that? You can always spot those things in your marriage, in your spouse, that drive you crazy, and you're real quick to point those out, and real slow to point out the things that you love. 
I got an amen from my woman. Now I'm going to look this way today. I'm on. <laughs> do you know what I'd like for you to do right now? We're in church. It's okay. I want you to look at your spouse, and I want you to say one thing positive right now, something about your spouse. You look great. You Thank you for brushing your teeth. Whatever you want to say, just look at your spouse. Say something positive to them right now, something that would encourage them right now. You look nice. Some are still struggling. <laughs> what do I say? Some need CPR. They just got a compliment. <laughs> we are, we abuse the ATM. We're always withdrawing. We're, in other words, we're always taking and making the critical, we're making the, the harsh statements, we're always trying to finding something that, uh, that's with fault, we're always withdrawing, and, our, and today, we have some relationships, right now at this very moment, they're empty, because they've made so many withdrawals. Why don't we put some, why don't we make some deposits of some words of affirmation, some words of encouragement, like we learn about the, the, from the story of Barnabas. Second thing I see here is encourage everyone since you do not know who will succeed. We ought to be a people who encourages everyone because we do not know who will succeed. There's a remarkable story that takes place in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 11. In Acts chapter 9, let me read just a couple of verses here for you. The Bible says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. Now notice here on the screen behind me, But they were all what? But they were all afraid of him. And they believed that, and believed not that he was a disciple. Now notice the next verse. But who? Barnabas. This man of encouragement who was putting words of deposit in the ATM, who wasn't, in, who wasn't the sniper looking laser focused on the faults of others, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What do we know about a man named Saul? What did he do to the church? He persecuted. Well, let's just be a little more direct. He killed people. He killed Christians. He killed people because they said, I'm a Christ follower, and he killed them. And it was brutal. There were no guns back then. They were stoned to death. They were beaten to death. There were gruesome murders. Paul now has seen Jesus. He's met him in the way. And uh, the scales have fallen off his eyes. He, is, he has become a follower of Christ. Now, let me ask you. You being finite. Me being finite. If someone had a reputation that they killed people simply because they identified as a Christian and that person walks in here and he walks down the aisle and he sits in the first row, how many of us are perhaps going to get a little uncomfortable? Rightfully so. And this is what happened. Paul now his name's been changed. He comes, and, uh, and the other disciples are fearful. Why would we allow this man to come into our midst? 
He killed people. Is he just a spy? Is he really a Christian? The Bible says, but Barnabas, the son of encourager, he took Paul under his wings. They said, hey, guys, I got this. He's going to be right here with me. He has seen the Lord. He's now a preacher of the gospel. It's going to be okay. In Acts chapter 11, the Bible says this a couple chapters later. These tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came, had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all, that with, a, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, and they taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Listen, Christians, Barnabas, and Saul or Paul all go together. And it was because of Barnabas who believed the best, who was the encourager, who took Saul under his wings. Now, do you know that there is another man in the Bible that were associated with Barnabas? If we had to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11, the Bible says, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with me, for he is profitable to me and to ministry. Now here in this verse, there's a man by the, the name of Mark. We call him John Mark. Does anyone remember what happened between Paul and John Mark? The Bible says they didn't get along. The Bible says they had sharp contention. The Bible says they had a falling out. Two Christian brothers, they could not see eye to eye, and they had a falling out. They had a fight. They had a disagreement. The fact of the matter is, is that uh, Paul thought that John Mark was a quitter and that he, he wasn't willing to go through the fire of ministry. And, and he says, I don't want to take someone with, with me that's going to quit along the way. The Bible says that Paul found a man by the name of Silas, and they went on a missionary journey. And then the Bible says this, but Barnabas, he took John Mark under his wing. And Barnabas invested in this young man named John Mark and encouraged him in the faith. And now, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, the apostle Paul, the same one who had sharp contention, the same one who sent him away, now says, listen, bring him back. He's profitable me for, uh, for ministry. And it's because of the leadership of, John, uh, of Barnabas who took John Mark under his wings. You encourage everyone because you never know who's going to exceed expectations and who's going to become wildly successful. I gave you a story of two men, Saul and John Mark. Nobody wanted Saul among their midst. They were afraid of him. He killed people but Barnabas. John Mark was known as a quitter. No one wanted John Mark around them. Who wants to be associated with a quitter but Barnabas? took him under his wings. Barnabas encouraged John Mark, even though he had exhibited those characteristics of a quitter. Both of these Christians ended up accomplishing great things for God. As people who come to a church that loves other people, as members, we have no way of knowing which teammate, which fellow brother or sister in Christ is going to step up and make the big play that's going to make a difference in the game of life. And so here in 2023, we need to stay strong. 
We need to encourage everyone. We have no idea which churchmates are our future Christian success stories. And it has been said that the only lives you influence live after you. And you may never discover how much encouragement means to a teammate this side of this life. But one day when we all get to heaven and all the accounts are are, are reconciled, you're going to find out that your words of encouragement, your words of affirmation have made a difference. Allow me to use a quote from the legendary uh, Michigan football coach, Bo Schemblecker. He gave a speech called The Team, The Team, The Team. Would you listen to some things here that he said? There's going to be one team and that's, going to, uh, that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team, the team, the team. And if we think that, uh, that way, all of us, in everything that you do, you take into consideration what effects does it have on, on my team. You will never play for a team again. You'll play for a contract. You'll play for this. You'll play for that. You'll play for everything except the team. And think what a great thing it is to be part of something that is the team. But he says this. If you're going to play for Michigan football, he said this. We're going to believe in each other. We're not going to criticize each other. We're not going to talk about each other. We're going to encourage each other. If he can say that on something as silly as football, how much more should we say that in church? We as church members, we're going to believe in each other. We're not going to criticize each other. We're not going to talk about each other. We're going to encourage one another. That's what we should do as a church. And we'll make a profound difference in the life of our church if we'll do that. Imagine the power that we harness when our teammates, brothers and sisters in Christ, implement encouragement into their current ministry. May I ask, may I ask, With all sincerity, the moms and dads here, when you go to the nursery to pick up your son or daughter, do you ever thank that nursery worker? Or is it, where's my son or daughter's coat? Where's the diaper bag? Did you change their diaper? Did you? We're quick to machine gun fire on the things that we don't like or be grumpy, but do you know that this morning we haven't heard a single baby cry? We've been able to worship together, but yet right now, at this very, very moment, there are babies who are crying in the nursery, and there's workers who are missing the church service so that we can be ministered to. Have we ever expressed gratitude and appreciation? I tell you today, those nursery workers ought to know they're loved and something happened, because every one of us, we go and we thank the nursery workers. Do you know Courtyard Cafe? We don't pay anyone to serve in that ministry. They volunteer. Do you know that they get here long before some of you even get out of bed in the morning on Sunday morning? To clean and get ready and get things fired up. There's people here early. Do you know that we're quick to say, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's not filled to the top. We find fault. But we never say, hey, thank you for volunteering so that I could have a hot cup of coffee or I could have a, uh, a, a cold drink, uh, We don't say thank you. Do you know that those ushers uh, handing out bulletins, uh, they'd appreciate a thank you every now and then. Do you know that folks on live stream are being able to watch live stream because there's a group of young men and young ladies that are willing to sit behind a camera and make sure that we look good and the camera's focused so that we can be a ministry to others? Do we ever say thank you?
Do we ever say thank you to those people on the golf carts that drive us around to our cars and our vehicles and and they, they, they have tender care to make sure that you don't fall out when they go around a, a curve. And, and I, I mean, seriously, I mean, we don't have accidents. They take care. And they make sure that you get from the church building to your car and from your car to the church building. Do we ever encourage and say thank you? You made a difference today. In just a few moments, you're going to go to Kid Planet. You're going to pick up those absolutely angelic children that you'd like to leave him here all afternoon and just get him tonight after the evening service. And they're going to go get in the car with you. Will you thank those who worked at Kid Planet who told your children about Jesus? Who allowed you to be able to sit with it, with, with, without saying for the last hour, stop it. Will you please stop it? Stop it. I'm going to smack you if you don't stop it. You didn't have to do this for a whole hour. Have you ever said thank you and encouraged Tabitha for every Sunday night while you are able to go to service or be a discipleship that she works with your son or daughter so that they could sing as beautiful as they did this morning? Wasn't that a blessing? Those choir members um, are... The nursery workers, no applause. Tabitha gets an applause. Good job, Tabitha. <laughs> we ought to make every one of you work in the nursery, and then you would applaud them when they work. <laughs> Do you know that that's our future choir members, and someone has to train them and teach them? We have so many ministries uh, here in, in our church, and so often we, we don't say thank you we don't express appreciation that they've made a difference in our life. And i just like to say that if we're going to be a Barnabas, Barnabas, he looked beyond the faults of a man who killed people. He looked beyond the faults of a man who was a quitter. And he invested in both of those men, and both of those men turned out to be something great in the Bible. There's a teenager that right now may not look like he's making all the right decisions. There's a, there's a teenage young man that may be going through some struggles right now. He's fallen by the wayside. I'm just wondering if there's some Barnabas here that are loving to put your arm around that teenager and say, hey, listen, I love you. I'm praying for you. How can I help you? Is there anything you need to talk about? Or is there something that we can do to help you? I wonder if there's someone in our church that needs your encouragement. Now, I anticipate this. Pastor, you just don't know. I'm the one who needs encouragement. I need encouragement. I always encourage everyone else, but I never get any encouragement. If you're always encouraging everybody else and you never get encouragement, you miss the principle. We don't encourage others to be encouraged. It's an encouragement to encourage others. It's a blessing to encourage others. And here's what happens. It takes your mind off of you and puts it on to your brothers and sisters in Christ. It puts it on to your family. We always look, woe is me. Look at me. Listen, I love encouraging people. That's why I write you notes. 
That's why I try to find you doing things that are right and well. I love making words of deposit into your ATM. Let's quit making so many uh, withdrawals and let's have words of affirmation and encouragement. Imagine the power that could happen here at our church if we would practice this principle. There's a general manager of the Boston Celtics. His name is Brad Stevens, and he coached for several years before he became the general manager, and he said this, Be great at all the things that don't take talent. What does he mean by that? Be great at all the things that don't take talent. It takes no talent to recognize someone doing right and encouraging them. It doesn't take some unique talent to say thank you when someone blesses you. It takes no unique talent to find someone doing something well. And say, I just want to say thank you for taking care of my son or daughter in the nursery and thank you for changing their diaper. Thank you for putting their coat on before I got here. Thank you for teaching my children about Jesus. Thank you, Pastor David, for preaching to my son or daughter. Even though they can be stubborn, I live with them. But thank you for teaching them. Thank you for serving and the, the, all the ladies in our Helping Hands ministry who make blankets and prayer quilts, and they don't do that to get a thank you. You know what they do? They do it so that we can be reminded to pray for those who are less fortunate. Thank you. Let's be great in 2023 at those things which don't take talent, appreciation, and encouragement for others. Who needs your encouragement? <laughs>